This is Notes from a Native Daughter. I am Soldanela. I am here today with the lovely and amazing Adriana Teresa Letourney, a creative entrepreneur, an artist advocate, and a girl with a dream that made it happen, and that it is Visura. And she will talk about that a lot more and better than I could ever explain it. And I'm delighted that you're here. I'm delighted that you are giving me your time. I know you're busy. But above all, I am uh, really proud of you because I think you've done something that's marvelous. And I'm really moved by the fact that you love artists so much that you have created Visura. And we're going to talk about the name Visura itself, porque como melodico, poetic. Um, so thank you. Well, thank you for having me here. I'm super honored and grateful. And um, yes. <laughs> what is Visura? So, Visura, the name, the name Visura. So Visura is, means to be seen in Latin. And um, in 2008, I was actually reading um, La Real Academia. The dictionary? The dictionary. Because it had just published um, a, an edition that had a foreword written by Gabriel Garcia Marquez, and my father gave it to me. And so I was just like, oh, this is like odd gift, but I'll read it. And I read the foreword, and I was really inspired. And then I was like, why? I should just read a little bit about, you know, I just should read the dictionary. And I was really um Interested in search of words that defined or expressed um, discovery, like you know, were, were synonyms of discovery or discovered, um, because it was a time where the economy had just crashed, um, and, or actually, it was it was crashing and it was kind of about to crash big time. And I had just graduated from the School of Visual Arts and had entered, you know, the world and the professional realm without really knowing where to go or what to do or where to find what I needed in order to be or become, be seen and become a photographer, you know, which is what I had studied at SVA. And so... It just, for whatever reason, I was like, I wondered, I had this moment where I was like, I wondered what words are out there that resemble and speak of, of being seen and of being discovered. And, and so throughout, I, it took me a while, but after, um, after I think a few months, I ended up in the V section and then it was this or and I fell in love with the word vis. And then as soon as I saw visura, V-I-S-U-R-A, I was like, oh my God, this is perfect. This is, I, I just felt a, such a strong connection. Um, because also the, the word to be seen requires, it has an empowering feeling behind it, right? It feels like it requires your whole and in order to be discovered or in order for other people to see who you are or what you do, right? 
And I've always believed that, you know, I've always believed that that it is really important to be the whole of you. Uh, yeah, be, being seen and the possibility of becoming discovered through this one word called Visura. And that's what the company, that's what I named, that's why I named the company Visura. But before discovering the name or in the process of mm-hmm. discovering Visura, the name and the meaning, was Visura a reality as, not as a platform it is today, we'll get to that, but the idea, your dream of merging creatives and media. Mm-hmm. Was that already in your in your realm or did that fuse? How did that come together? So it's interesting. Um, I, I was born in Puerto Rico and um, I went from a private high school uh, to the University of Puerto Rico in Rio Piedras mm-hmm. where I met so many local artists in many you know realms like they were writers they were musicians um visual artists visual artists artists filmmakers um you know and photographers and just just my experience at the university of puerto rico really shaped my future in that Since I was a child, I always believed that people had a voice. Every single one of us had a voice. Throughout my life experience, I learned that the limitation was not necessarily the person, but the access that each person, you know, each individual has to direction, opportunity, and um, yeah, to direction and opportunity. And I was very sensitive to that inequality from a very young age. So naturally everyone thought she's going to go enter into the legal world, you know, and become a lawyer or some political activist. But I didn't really fit into that world um, because uh, I struggled myself with, you know, being outspoken in public sometimes. And so through the arts, um, I was, I slowly... Um, became or found a medium um, through which I could actually express a lot of my, you know, uh, angst and angst. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, concerns and questions. You know, and and I, I didn't. I actually felt very protected. I didn't feel judged, um, and which was really important because I think that that then gave me the security to continue asking those questions and figuring ways in which we can solve many of those questions because they were always around social issues, you know, and particularly issues related to inequality due to gender or culture you know, or social economical background. So at the University of Puerto Rico, I met so many people that were so incredibly talented that... Um, I was just like, well, how are these people not, you know, winning Grammys already? Like, how are they not, you know, like, why does the Being world... seen. Exactly. Um, and, and so I had this uh, romantic idea uh, that stemmed from... I, I was studying a lot, Taoism, 
which believes that you are parts of a whole. And I had this romantic idea that, that if we worked together, if people did have access to opportunity and to you know, resources that allowed them to shine, that whole would be better, right? And so when I went to, um, when I went to, when I graduated from the University of Puerto Rico and then I moved to New York and, and studied photography, I soon realized that that angst that I had at that moment, I kind of put it aside. Um, again, I think a lot had to do with my insecurity of feeling like how in the world could I ever change this? You know, it's just me, this girl, you know, and I kind of felt powerless, but I realized at the, at, while I was at SVA that that angst still was the same, like it was still there, and that it transcended actually me photographing. You know, the, the camera was a great personal vehicle for me to communicate with the world, my life and my experience, but I didn't want to just talk about my life and my experience. I wanted to connect people. I wanted to, break, to do something that would bring to light the, you know, the inequalities in this world. And, and, and so that's where it all stemmed from. So as soon as I graduated, um, I, I think that I, I went through a very um, profound uh, period where I was, I, I, I was trying to figure out what can I do that is beyond taking pictures. Um, the first thing I did was Visura Magazine. So it was a baby step process. And what was Visura Magazine specifically? So Visura Magazine was an online publication that featured personal projects by photographers worldwide. And it was at a time where this, this, the first issue was in January 19, 2009. And it launched after the economy had really crashed. And so many photographers had lo were losing their jobs, their staff, you know, positions. Mm -hmm. A lot of Photographers who were graduating had absolutely no jobs and were now finding second jobs doing something else after investing in an education in this. And, I, my, you know, as a result, I mean, I was part of that group that kind of was just like, what, where do I, what do I do? Where do I go? And so I had... You know, it was kind of destiny played on that. That's when I met Graham, who was the co-founder of Visura, who was a designer since he out, you know, he, he taught himself to design online and to do websites so he could code. And I said to him, we need to do something. And, and I mean, the urge became so profound that all of a sudden it wasn't enough to just talk about it. And it wasn't enough to just sit back and be like, oh, my God. Like, this is so unfair. It was like, no, we need to do something. And we're going to, and the first thing that came to my mind was, we're, we're going to do an online magazine. And since I couldn't pay anything, we couldn't do advertising. Um, we just, so we couldn't commission work. 
I literally asked photographers who I really respected, what are you doing now that you're not working? And everyone was doing personal projects. Oh, I've been working on a personal project on Thin, you know, and that's Lauren Greenfield. Like, I, oh, I've been working on photographing my children, you know, Eleanor Karushi. And so, um, or, you know, Jeff Jacobson, who was documenting his life while he went, um, he experienced cancer. And so, so literally, the magazine became an online platform that featured personal projects by photographers worldwide. And Mayra Montero had a column um, where she, it was stories, and she would send them, and then we would translate them to English, and they were published as well. And then once that magazine had evolved a bit, you kept expanding it. So what happened was, it was interesting, we, we launched Visura, and I shared it with my immediate family, you know, I think our grandparents wrote, like, that's really incredible. Good job. And within a month, 40,000 people around the world were reading it. And that's how editors started to connect with us and writing to me and saying, this is really incredible. We want to feature this, you know, in the New York Times, or we want to feature this in Time magazine. And so um, I started getting letters from photographers all over the world saying, how can I be part of this publication? Or can you help me with brand or accessing opportunity? Um, and I started to realize, oh my God, I'm not by, this is, I'm not by myself. And then that goes back to me, that girl in Puerto Rico, realizing, okay, wait a minute. I have an opportunity here to go to start. I mean, I, I realized I wasn't alone. And I realized that maybe I could solve some of these gaps. And so I sold my apartment. And with that, I took everything. I just literally took the time to design what eventually became Fotovisura, which was a self-publishing online platform for photographers where they could come in and for $30 a year, they would design, they, they would create a profile site and um, upload their archive of work. A lot of it was personal projects at the time because no one was hiring or commissioning. They could submit it to a public archive, mm -hmm. and that public archive became a source for editors worldwide to access the best new work and talent, especially emerging. So people, photographers who were students and um, all the way to professionals. And the thing I'm most proud of is that because of the name Visura, um, which is not an American name, you know, it's like it's a, it's a Latin name, a lot of people, the majority of the people that were joining the site were international and, and women. And so the site today is... Um, it's beautiful. It's all about... It's literally like we have over 160 countries, um, 53, 47 um, 
like the ratio of uh, men, men to women. Men to women, and then we have like a like the, there's a huge we have non-binary too. And so photovisura evolved into what today is visura. Right, I remember that. But so then let's go back to photovisura and some of the projects that you did in Puerto Rico uh, with the photovisura name, but it was photovisura pavilion. And how did you, can you talk about that? So I had the honor to develop the International Pavilion at the New York Photo Festival from 2008 through 2013. And how did that come about for you, that, that chance, that opportunity? Um, my first job in New York was at Powerhouse Arena. Mm -hmm. And the founder, Daniel Power, um, when he was interviewing me for the job, which was actually a, it was more like a clerical job, I just, or front desk job. So it was a very, very simple job. Mm -hmm. But during the interview, I said, I will do whatever you want me to do, although I do not know how to do anything. I don't know how to do FedEx, but teach me. I'll learn, you, I will do whatever you want me to do, as long as I can do an exhibition here. And he said, okay. They had never done an exhibition. but he. And so eventually I did a show there that was called Song of Myself, inspired by Walt Whitman's poem, Song mm -hmm. of Myself, where I asked nine photographers to interpret the first verse that says, I sing to myself, and what I assume you shall, you shall assume for every atom belonging to me as good belongs to you. And again, it goes back to the wholeness, right? Mm -hmm. And instead of me picking the work, I asked them to interpret that verse and select work that would respond to it and that exhibition became the first show at powerhouse and daniel a year later founded the new york photo festival and because of that show he said to me i really think you should do a show at the new york photo festival and i think you should go with you know this interpretive kind of approach mm -hmm. and i was like i'm in and initially um And so I was very proud. I'm very proud of being Latin and of being from Puerto Rico and my Caribbean roots. So naturally, um, that experience and the ability to learn how to produce, curate, fundraise, I mean, do like coordinate the whole thing. Um, and all around. And all around, yeah. Gave me the the security to then say, we need to do this in Puerto Rico. And so we, that's when I decided to do, produce the Photovisura Pavilion, which is an, it was an international photography festival in Puerto Rico. And it followed the same thing. We had several exhibitions. They were curated by, um, you know, big time editors. It was Whitney Johnson, who was the director of photography at the New Yorker at the time. Um, and, but we also highlighted the local galleries that supported photography throughout Santurce, which I was very like happy about because I wanted to support the local community as well. And we made sure that like photographers in Puerto Rico also had a participation. Um, and then we had panel discussions 
and um, portfolio reviews. Actually, it was the first time that we that Puerto Rico had, you know, uh, offered portfolio reviews for photographers, which are events where a photographer can then connect with an editor for the you know to show their work for the possibility of a, an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And and so that was in 2010. And then circle back to um, the work that you did with the Puerto Rican flag in the New York City communities. With Susan Maiselis. Mm -hmm. So Susan... And what did that mean to you? So that was an interesting thing. So I carried Susan Maiselis... I mean, it's, it's a say, right? But she was working on this, on, on this project on the Puerto Rican flag in New York. Mm -hmm. And I, as soon as she told me about it, I was like, you know, I need to go with you. I'm, I'm your girl. Like, mm -hmm. I need to, I, I'm going to be your assistant. And I'll volunteer. Like, don't worry, I'm going to be with you because I speak Spanish. And, you know. Um, and so... And, and the whole concept was to go to different loca locales here and talk to people about what the flag meant to them. She recorded it, and then it was video photography, and then it was exhibited in France. And um, you see, for me, I think it's part of... Um, as a Puerto Rican who has always fought as a woman who was born in Puerto Rico who has who fights for equal opportunity which means that I always look for merit-based opportunities regardless of gender or culture it's kind of like a it change it kind of, it's kind of I flip the whole thing around in some ways um that oper that experience of working with Susan Maisalis and understanding how important it is to be able to listen and hear the different ways that people interpret culture from a very per personal perspective, but also sometimes from a very social, economical, or political perspective, um, was really uh, humbling because... For a very long time, as someone who was born in Puerto Rico, who then moved to New York, um, I didn't understand how united, how how everything, how interconnected we are to the Puerto Rican community in New York. And working with Susan on that project, just following her around, was not just amazing because I worked with Susan Maisalis, who is an incredible photographer, but personally to me, it was, um, it really marked my philosophy moving forward because I realized it doesn't, you know, how, who, how you identify yourself and who you identify yourself with, you know, whether you were born in Puerto Rico or whether you're born in, in, in New York, but your parents are from Puerto Rico or maybe your grandparents are from Puerto Rico, but you still identify yourself as Puerto Rican. I mean, there is no difference. We, you know, and, and there should not be any difference in that sense. I mean, and, and if we see it from that perspective, we could actually really come together and be a very, very,
they're a much stronger community um, in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, I learned, it was, it was a very humbling experience because I think I went through the process of coming in initially and moving to New York and kind of feeling different to the Puerto Rican community here. And then slowly in time, um, I really actually I realized that there were people here that knew more about Puerto Rico and what it is to be Puerto Rican than people in Puerto Rico. And then more so through working with Susan Maisalis, I was like, wow, like I, to- I understood. I was like, this, this is about a feeling and, and a sense of identity and it has nothing to do with, it transcends, it's not that it has nothing to do, but it transcends whether you were born here or there. And now I have a son, you know, and I want him to feel that root too. And I would hate for him to feel excluded because he wasn't born in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. So. It's a crazy thing, isn't it? It is. And so interestingly, as a, in Visura, through when I put bring it back to Visura, um, if I learned anything that I was able to then execute right there as a quiet statement that mm-hmm. I'm trying to say, is that you can search people through by location or nationality because that's how you identify. It. But really, the focus of of how you find people is based on your projects, which means that it's all merit-based. And um, and when we, when, when, when people ask me like, you know, do you want to be identified as a Puerto Rican woman, CEO, entrepreneur, I have. I don't mind not. I don't mind having all those categories, but there's a part of me that is like in categorizing me. You are kind of alienating me from just being me. Like, look at my work and see my work for what it is, and don't don't define it as it is what it is because I am from Puerto Rico or I am Latin because then we're creating boundaries. And those are the same boundaries that create alienation and create, you know, fights and wars. And nowadays, I truly believe that if, you know, that it's really important to bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now in this trajectory of, of finding the artists, learning about yourself, you're growing yourself. Now Visura is at a, I would say a juncture, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's quite vast. Um, what do you like about what's happening now at Visura and where do you want Visura to be? Well, Visura now has evolved into, so I, I dropped photo. Right, you, read the, you, you dropped the photo. I dropped the photo, photo. now it's visura.co. Um, and it's now a networking platform that connects create you know visual content producers, mm-hmm. photographers, filmmakers, writers, journalists, photojournalists, 
with editors and buyers worldwide. They all have, they, and then you walk in and you can either have an individual membership or, or organizations like schools or nonprofits, brands, um, firms, creative firms, they come in. Anyone that needs or looks for um, or is in search for content and talent, right? Um, and then what's different and one really important thing that's evolved um, in is that the platform is just is not is a network, but it's also a site builder. So people can become members of Visura. They can design their website through Visura, and create a profile site that's interconnected to a database. So instead of having to go to Squarespace or and then LinkedIn, and then WeTransfer. And just and go to independent services where um, that offer you specific tools, which when you add them up become very expensive for most creatives worldwide. I said, I was like, okay, this is not conducive for creatives who are not from wealthy families, and especially for the international community where the dollar changes drastically. They, it's just unaffordable. And then we can't assume that people are, on, that only people who have the means to sustain a life, regardless of whether they make a living in this profession, are the best, are the most talented. You know, again, I'm going back to equal opportunity. So then what I, so I went on a mission to, uh, to create a one central place where you know, people could just enter and then do what's of essence, which is you need a website, you need a profile site where you can have your name and your info and all, you know, all the basic things about you, your social media, and all of it is interconnected to this database where people can find you and search you. And, you know, going back to the value to, to, what we've been talking about throughout this entire time, I think if I look back and I think about the trajectory of Visura, I think this is a platform that's trying to figure out how you can experience the internet um, in a way where you can efficiently and effectively have an online presence and connect without spending too much money or too much time because nowadays everyone is so connected that no one is even like engaging next to each other. And so let's reduce that amount of time and let's reduce that amount of money. Let's focus on the things that we actually really need in order to have a professional career. And let's offer these resources at a price that's very cost effective so that people around the world, regardless of where you're from or um, what back, whether, you know, what social economical background you're from, like you can access it. So it's like accessible. And um, so I think that's one of the biggest um, strengths, one of the biggest strengths and missions too. So whenever we think of designing and whenever we think how can we improve, you say about the future, we think, okay, what else can we add or how else 
Um, what else can we offer to our clients or to our members so that to empower their journey and their professional journey without um, taking advantage of them? That's pretty simple. It's hard because we are in an industry, the internet world, the, inter the business of the, uh, the online business today is extremely big, mm -hmm. but it's extremely small at the same time. Mm -hmm. And free information has revolutionized, changed everything. It has changed everything. The problem is that now there is so much information out there that it is hard to navigate and really understand what's real and what's not, what's facts and what's not facts, what is, um, I mean, how do you access um, the best work, the best images, the best talent out there based on merit, not just like... Um, Accolades. Yeah. Not, you can't go through accolades. Everybody has an award nowadays. And so, you know, and, and, and I think a lot is, a lot of it is that the, the history of the internet just is a very, very, it's very easy to see. Like at first everybody was, it was free and everyone can just put in all their information because as the more information the internet had, the better it was for the companies creating the internet. But now in time, you know, all that information somehow has to be organized. Um, and you people deserve to know the difference between information that is factual and information that's not. Talent that is experienced and, and has is educated in that craft versus the one that's just like doing it and, you know, not really dedicated to it. And I think that there's a need, a very big need for the you know, especially in the creative realms, for the photographers and the talent themselves who are dedicated to this, who are not looking to have two jobs. You know, they want to be photographers. They want to be filmmakers. To have the opportunity to be in a place where the buyers who are also in a part of that community value their investment in the industry. When photographers have an online presence, mm -hmm. why is that important? Why does that matter? Or in relation to the collective? Or the collective is important, but their individuality is also important. Because, okay, so I think it's really important. So when a photographer does a, works on a body, you know, anybody... With a body of work. With a body of work, yeah. Um, they are presenting their view responds and interaction with the world through the image or the film. So what makes each project stand out is not all, it, it's obviously stories need to be told and there are many stories out there, but there's many stories that are told again and again and again. It's like every, it's like every, like every um, note has been played, but the question is not, 
you know, does that limit the musician? Absolutely not, because it's really about who's playing the, the notes. So the same thing applies to photography and documentary and filmmaking. You know, we've, we see stories of mystery or we see stories of like refugees or immigrants or, um, you know, health, style, CNN, uh, like health, style, fashion. Um, but, and when you look at them and at least in, in my experience where, where I see, you know, thousands of projects a year, right? you start to realize that a lot of the stories that are being told are the same stories. But what makes them different is who's telling that story. So that individuality then becomes crucial because no editor is going to buy, a is going to want to work with a photographer because he is extremely versatile and talented with the camera only. If you don't have a voice, if you don't develop your voice, if you don't cultivate that voice, you know, then if you don't cultivate that sense that will make you, that that makes you in, um, you know, stand, be a part of a whole. And that part is independent, is its own self, and it has to be complete, right? And that has nothing to do with the camera. The camera, anyone can teach and learn how to use a camera. What's really hard is to learn, to teach or to learn how to be truthful to your inner voice. And the best stories out there combine the elements of, you know, knowing the technique, understanding the history of photography or film or, you know, literature and understanding also other realms and being able to bring your life and your experience and your perspective into the project. Um, and even the biggest photojournalists understand that no matter how biased we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to bring in a perspective, you know, this perspective, which is an overview that doesn't really say one side or the other, but kind of depicts a whole picture. The reality behind any story that we see is that there's always a human being behind it, bringing in his experience and his perspective into that story. And that plays along, which is why publications are also kind of similar. And we have a publication that would have one kind of mentality and another one would have another or look for different things. And the, and because if they were all the same, and if there was no that if there was none of that independence or that individuality within this realm, then it would just be noise. Mm. It mm. would just be a flat line. And then no one would see, no one would look. So at the end of the day, when we think about how this industry is going to continue to move forward, we need to think about the importance of educating the individual because it's not really about the medium. It's truly about the people that have decided to take on the responsibility to tell stories that are the, which are those stories that then the world is going to see. Mm -hmm. And so there's a responsibility behind that. Yeah. I get it. It's beautiful. It's, and then to close, I want to know, yeah. why do you love photography? Because... I believe in silence. 
And I believe that silence can speak louder than many words. And I think that through the image, you have the ability to look at a face, an expression, at a place, and reflect and respond. Um, and the image speaks to you without using words. And you respond. Your response, no matter what it is, whether it's because you actually cried or you said something or you just stay quiet, no matter what your response is, um, the image will never, like, judge you for it. It's, I feel that the power of photography is that it's the most humane way to communicate without necessarily imposing itself on the viewer. I think the best way to encourage change for the better and, you know, and to encourage unity and equal opportunity is not by confronting people, by bringing them together. I love it. Thank you. Kelly,